You're listening to English with Monty, the podcast about the English language. Talking about British culture, part three, music. Hello there, and this is English with Monty. And today we're going to talk about British culture again. It's the third part. And I've got Ben on the show. How are you doing, Ben? I'm very well, thank you, John. Thank you for having me again. It's good to be back. You're very welcome. Good to have you back. I thought today we'd talk about music, mm -hmm. as you're a bit of a musician, aren't you? Your background's in music, isn't it? Well, I play the guitar, yeah. I've been playing the guitar since I was 16, and I've been in a couple of bands, but nothing particularly professional or successful. But I love music in general. I'm a huge music fan. It's a big part of my life. And it has been for decades now. That's slightly disappointing. I thought that you were famous in some way. Yeah, I mean, everybody. <laughs> no, <laughs> not for music. No. Not for music. No. With my last band, which was in Madrid, we played three gigs, which are concerts, little informal concerts, in two different bars in Madrid. And I think probably about 30 people watching us. So I don't know if that's considered famous or not. I've never been a famous musician. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Oh, well, it's certainly more famous than I've ever been in terms of playing a musical instrument, I think. I think about as far as I've ever got is playing the recorder at school. I keep right. on a, being an aspiring guitar player. I hope to do that while I'm in Spain, try and do some guitar lessons. But I do know, hopefully, a few things, one or two things about music. Obviously, as you say, you're, you're pretty passionate about music, I guess, and you have followed music throughout the ages, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I think... I mean, I remember when I was really young, listening to my dad's record collection. It's quite a small record collection, but it was vinyl and listening to old Beatles records and Don McLean. He had Simon and Garfunkel. And I just became fascinated by them, just listening to the same records over and over again. So I think that was my first sort of real connection with music. And then I was probably nine or 10 then. And then I started getting into my own favorite bands and went through all the sort of typical genres i think the first record it was a cassette i ever bought was i think it was bruce springsteen i think it was a live cassette and i was a little bit disappointed because i thought it was going to have all his greatest hits on it i think i was only like 12 years old i wasn't patient enough to listen through all the less famous stuff i've always had music around me and listening to it or playing it myself so it's a big part of my life as i said i don't know how you feel but often it's that kind of age isn't it maybe between about 11 12 15 16 then obviously getting a bit older, but certainly those times that really shape what you feel or your life, doesn't it, in some way, the, the music that you grew up with around those kind of times. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, your musical tastes change quite quickly when you're young, because when you're 12 or 13, you like really poppy stuff. I think that's why I was into Bruce Springsteen, because I've always liked guitar music, but Bruce Springsteen, his biggest hits were a bit more poppy. But as I got older sort of the grunge scene the when grunge I was sort scene, of 15 or 16, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains and all that. But then probably only a few months later, I was into indie music, British indie music, which also includes Britpop. And they're quite different styles of music. It's all guitar based. It was um, quite different. Your tastes change so quickly. And I think they're influenced by, it's not just the music, it's sort of the, the fashions, the styles what your friends are listening to and how you want to fit in with different groups at school or whatever. 
it may be. But yeah, for me, I've always preferred what I would call sort of more authentic music, maybe. Maybe that's not the right word, but bands, you know, a guitar, bass, drums, and a singer. So you really know who's playing which instrument. It's not like electronic or techno where it's all done on computers. I do like a lot of that stuff now that I'm older, but when I was young, I really liked going to see live music and experiencing the power of the instruments being played by people just touching a button on a computer. Powerful, isn't it? It's more powerful. It mm-hmm. gives more of an impact, doesn't it? Especially when you're younger. The idea, I guess, of this is to focus, I suppose, British artists and then think about trying to tie things in in terms of English learners and which kind of bands or lyrics and songs as well that might be quite useful for them to as English learners. We've briefly spoken about the Beatles and probably Beatles, I would say, is probably the best starting point for English learners. Mm-hmm. And apparently Pearson, who were one of the big publishing houses, conducted a survey and they said in order to learn English, the Beatles are the best band. Mm-hmm. Apparently. And why do you think that might be? I don't know. It's a good question. You have to be careful when you're learning English through music because there's a lot of bad grammar. The obvious example when we're talking about the counterparts of the Beatles were the Rolling Stones, and they had a very strong blues influence. A lot of the lyrics Mick Jagger sang were and are grammatically incorrect. So maybe that's where Pearson's coming from, that perhaps the Beatles used more grammatically correct structures? I don't know. Probably the most famous Rolling Stones song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. That's the double negative. That's bad grammar. It would sound terrible if it were, or it would sound less authentic if it were, I can't get any satisfaction, which would be grammatically correct, but not so authentic. So with the Beatles, perhaps they're a little bit more correct, the grammar. But I I think even the Beatles, some of the Beatles songs, in fact, if I could remember one, I can't remember, they have some grammatically incorrect phrases. I don't know. What do you think, John? Why do you think they chose the Beatles? I mean, I've got the answer in front of me, so that okay. makes it a bit yeah. easier. <laughs> Apparently, it's because of the catchy melodies and okay. the repetition makes things a bit easier to remember. And also, the pronunciation was always pretty clear. There was, was also a couple of examples of different grammar points, because they were saying... All My Loving, for example, very much focuses on the future simple. That can be very good. There's a lot of wills in there as an auxiliary. Also, Across the Universe, a lot of mm-hmm. gerunds in that one. Mm-hmm. So that's a good way to revise gerund forms. Those were kind of the main take-homes from the survey. And when you think about it, it's kind of true, isn't it? They're very catchy tunes, aren't they, obviously? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we love yeah. the Beatles, right? Yeah. And They're simple, they're effective, they give you something quite clear, something quite succinct, I guess. With other music, that's not always the case. But as you say with the Rolling Stones, I mean, that's an iconic song, isn't it? Wouldn't be the same song if it was grammatically correct. And exactly, it's partly the way people speak, isn't it, really? I mean, it is the way people speak. Yeah, it's important that English learners know that, that, okay, maybe it's technically grammatically incorrect. You will hear it, and that's important. You shouldn't use it yourself as an English learner, but it's real English and it's how many people speak. But just thinking of the Beatles, I mean, as you mentioned the melody, but one song that I think is really useful for English learners of the Beatles is with a little help from my friends, because that's full of conditionals. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? 
I think that's the first lines. What would you do if I sang out of tune? If I sang out of tune? So you've got the whole conditional structure there. And then I guess it's a rhetorical question. And the melody, as you said, the melody is so important because it helps you remember it. You could just sing that quite advanced and complicated grammatical sentence, but you sing it and you're not even really thinking of it as an advanced grammatical sentence. It's just a lyric in a song. You know, when you're perhaps thinking, oh, what is the second conditional structure? It's wood with a past form. So you just quickly sing that line in your head and you've got it. So I think it really helps. And I remember when I first came to Spain and started learning Spanish, the songs that were in the charts at the time or on the radio all the time at that time really helped me to learn, again, quite advanced structures and vocabulary. The catchy melody sticks in your head. You find yourself singing it when you're walking along the street or traveling on public transport. And if you think about it, if you really analyze it for a few seconds, then you can learn learn a lot. As you said, the pronunciation is... Imp- I mean, you have to be a little bit careful with the pronunciation in songs because sometimes they change the intonation so it fits into the melody or into the structure of the song. But yeah, pronunciation, vocabulary, and grammatical structure, it's all very useful. Definitely. I think Beatles have got to be up there with everybody, even if it's not about English, right? I mean, it's oh, always well, a catchy thing. <laughs> everybody should listen to the Beatles all the Indeed. time. They are the best still, in my opinion. They only really were recording music for about seven years, if I'm not mistaken. The amount of music, quality music they made in that time was unbelievable. If anybody listening hasn't started, a lot of people know sort of Yellow Submarine and I Want to Hold Your Hand, but there's a lot more to the Beatles than that. There's a lot of really good stuff if you just scratch the surface. I like the quote, hey, do you take a sad song and make it better? I think that's Mm -hmm. a nice little quote, isn't it? Perhaps that can bring us on to some others. There were some other ideas about other songs that could potentially be good. Not only the Beatles, maybe the likes of Duran Duran, which I never really considered. Save a Prayer, they were talking about. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that song. It's more kind of like for advanced speakers, I guess. Quite a romantic song, quite meditative. It's one of those songs that would certainly help you with certain advanced elements. I think that's something from the student's perspective that has to be taken into consideration at the level because it's very mm. difficult. I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan too, but his lyrics are extremely poetic. I mean, some of them are not that poetic. I mean, if you think Blowing in the Wind, it's very clear and great song, but it's quite basic. I mean, I do know that Duran Duran song. I don't remember the lyrics off the top of my head, but I think you have to use a bit of common sense and choose a song that is appropriate to your level which is difficult to do because you don't know really until you start analyzing it i think if people start listening to really very sort of poetic songs with lots of advanced vocabulary and grammar it could be demotivating for them Mm, definitely i guess it's just focusing on things that you really like and you really enjoy i mean i always used to find that i mean i'm a big pink floyd fan I think lyrically, they're pretty deep, aren't they, in terms of what they say? And I think a lot of their music is quite slow, melodic, Mm -hmm. not always, of course. But I think the old, we don't need no education is one of the (laughs) ones that people always focus on. That as an English teacher, it's like, oh my God, you do need education. And and that's said wrong. (laughs) I assume they did that deliberately. Yeah, we don't need no education. Obviously, (laughs) that's grammatically incorrect. So you do need an education. But yeah, obviously, it was tongue in cheek, I, I guess. I think, yeah, Pink Floyd are always a good one. I think just in general, as a nice British band, the same kind of generation, I guess, Led Zeppelin as well, Deep Purple, 
all of those bands would probably be fairly easy to follow, wouldn't they? And they're obviously iconic bands. I don't know yeah. if you've found this. I always used to find in Italy, I think it's a little bit the same in Spain. I'm not hugely familiar with Spain at the moment, but as you're a Spanish resident, you have been for a long time, you can perhaps give me a better idea. The Italians were always into quite old school English Mm-hmm. music like the classics like Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and maybe Queen as well the police these kind of people what was your feeling is that quite similar in Spain as well yeah it is and sometimes I'm surprised at how bands like Depeche Mode are extremely popular in Spain even today Supertramp I guess they were quite big in England or in Britain but a certain generation of Spaniard tends to to love Supertramp. I think they were British, weren't they? Because I, I don't really know much about Supertramp. 80s sort of poppy rock band. They're definitely British, that's correct. I've only got into them fairly recently, to be honest, mm. but they are a great band to listen to if mm. you've never listened to them before. Yeah, Supertramp, I think, are a good recommendation. And I think lyrically, they have some really nice lyrics. Breakfast in America is probably the one that people would talk about the most. And then... They have like kind of a greatest hits album, which Mm. is definitely worth Mm. listening to. And I think lyrically, it is quite similar, I guess, to Pink Floyd. Any Pink Floyd fan, I would say, would like Supertramp. Can be quite provocative, subversive themes, I suppose a bit of thought-provoking and whimsical, I guess. So Mm -hmm. I think they're definitely worth listening to. In Spain, Coldplay are huge too. Everybody, again, of a certain generation, maybe a slightly younger generation than the Supertramp fans. It's probably the biggest band, maybe internationally, I don't know, but of the last 20 years in Spain. I'm not a huge fan of Coldplay, but I think they're probably quite a good band to listen to for learning English because I think, again, they have the melody and I think generally they use <laughs> grammatically correct structures. I think I haven't analysed their lyrics. The singer Chris Martin pronounces the lyrics relatively clearly so for a more modern although as I said Coldplay have been around for about 25 years now so they're not that modern but I think a good British band to listen to definitely I'm using one or two tools from some English resources they were saying clocks by Mm -hmm. Coldplay is normally a good one to listen to the idea of him being pleasant to the ear I guess he is pleasant to the ear isn't he really (laughs) and quite a calming voice as well I guess and the music itself I'm kind of of the same mind of you. I'm not a big fan of Coldplay. I really liked them when they first came out, mm-hmm. but I kind of found them a bit samey after a mm. while. It is quite calming, uplifting. So it, it's a good environment to listen to lyrics, I guess, isn't it? Something quite neutral. We say in English, as you know, John, uh, middle of the road. Uh, middle, middle of the road band it's usually an insult to a band no band i think wants to be middle of the road not really pushing the boundaries quite safe because i think when coldplay first came out they were kind of considered the new radiohead in some ways because mm-hmm. radiohead at the beginning was quite a traditional grungy rock band but they did push the boundaries they evolved and became quite an experimental band and i love radiohead and maybe they could be perhaps the first couple of albums well, first two or three albums could be good to listen to for English learners. Do you think it matters, John, for an English learner? I mean, I think for me, a lot of the Spanish songs that helped me when I first moved to Spain, I didn't particularly like them, but they were very catchy and I had the melody in my head. It wasn't like I was going to go out and buy the albums of those bands. You don't have to like the bands or the song that you're listening to if it helps you learn English. Sure. I mean, I think a lot of it is about being catchy, isn't it? And having repetition. I mean, if it's catchy and it's repetitive, I guess from a language point of view, that's really important, isn't it? 
I think, though, if you really want to go deeper, though, you have to connect with the band in some way, don't you? And Mm -hmm. perhaps it's when you get to a higher level as well that you're more likely to delve deeper. Perhaps something like Pink Floyd or Super Tramp is definitely more more advanced Mm because it's a bit more thought-provoking, isn't it? Something like Radiohead, I mean, maybe something like Creep, I guess that was their first hit, wasn't it? And they're repeating that quite a lot, aren't they? And Creep is quite a good versatile world isn't it that you probably wouldn't use Mm -hmm. when you're at a lower level it is quite a thought-provoking song but it probably doesn't have the depth does it of the pink floyds of this world i would say yeah Yeah, i mean even radiohead grew to hate that song they stopped playing it live (laughs) i think it didn't really represent their development so it is quite a basic song it's a classic 90s song i think and yeah some of the lyrics are interesting i think I'm Daniel. Originally, I'm from Romania. I've been living in London for a few years, and my favorite episode is number 48. To be honest, I think John and Gideon make a good team. If you have heard the expressions like, anyway, you know, well, you should listen to episode 48. Actually, you definitely have to do it. In other words, it's worth it. I mean, other bands of the 90s, we're speaking specifically about British bands, I think. I mean, there are certain bands. I was a huge Oasis fan mm-hmm. um, at the time, but probably I wouldn't recommend necessarily Oasis to learn English. Pulp, but, for example. Would, would you Sorry. not? Though That's an interesting one. Because I, I probably would have said that Oasis was pretty good for that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah the melody, the, the pretty melodic. Just thinking about the lyrics, whether they're you've got to roll with it, you've got to take your time, you've got to say what you say, don't let anybody get in your way. I don't know if that's <laughs> that useful, but I think that's one of their worst songs. Uh, maybe it's not a good example. Maybe I'm a bit too dismissive of Oasis. I just think it's basically just rock and roll music, isn't it? It's good that kind of big choruses, quite anthemic. They'll help you remember the lyrics. I think a lot of us as British people would always, I mean, like you could say those lyrics off the top of your head, which I think it's pretty... Well, I wouldn't say amazing, because I suppose that's the reason why they became popular to some extent, wasn't it? Because of Mm. those lyrics staying in your memory. So I was a Blur rather than an Oasis fan. Mm. I did like both, but I was much more into Blur. I don't know if you remember at the time the media were trying to make this competition between Blur and Oasis, weren't they? Yeah, Uh, the new Beatles and the Stones, wasn't it? It was that idea to try and drum up record sales it succeeded they were on the front page of the newspapers i think the mainstream newspapers so that was very clever it was very clever wasn't it so i would say maybe oasis's song that sticks in most people's mind is maybe wonderwall i would say and then blur has to be park life mm-hmm. country yeah. house yeah both of those are quite easy to follow aren't they in terms of lyrics and they're pretty catchy very representative of the times weren't they mm-hmm. yeah i think blur are great i didn't like them at the time because i was into that sort of more indie music rather than Britpop. but now i really appreciate a lot of that stuff like pulp I, I didn't listen to back in the 90s but now i've gone back and listened to some of their albums and some great stuff pulp and blur i guess they were sort of a bit more i don't know if this is the right word but intellectual perhaps i don't know if you could call I'm, blur i'm not sure if blur were <laughs> Pulp always resonated to me, really, to some extent, because it was like awkward teenage angst, wasn't it? <laughs> Quite yeah. often with something yeah. like Pulp. I thought, yeah, common people, I guess that would be a great, you yeah. know, that lyrically 
everybody knows that, don't they, in the UK? I think even if you don't like pulp, I think yeah. you probably know that song as soon as it came on the airwaves. Oh, yeah. Uh, lyrically, that's quite a simple one. Catchy too. So, I mean, again, the media presented Britpop as the 90s version of you know, the 60s Beatles and Stones and Kinks, who, and to a certain extent it was. I don't think it was the same quality. I think the 60s music is or was better than the 90s equivalent. But there was a lot of good stuff around. I think it was Britpop is quite catchy and quite melodic. I don't know if you remember it like this, but it was quite a north and south divide. You had sort of the Oasis, the Charlatans, the Verve from the north of England, and then the southerners like Radiohead, Blur, Supergrass. And there's a bit that north-south battle, and it's sort of the north was more indie rock, and the south was more what I consider Britpop. I would absolutely agree. Yeah, there was that division, wasn't there? I mean, online here, I found Live Forever apparently is a good one. I was saying it's optimistic, positive lyrics, a few slang mm. words like wanna, gonna, mm-hmm. which are they slang words? I suppose they are. I mean, this is one of the challenges of language learning or language teaching in general. What is worth learning and what, because you can't learn everything. So you have to be selective to a certain extent. And should you learn to say gonna, wanna, those kind of contractions? I think you need to know that we speak that way, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend an English learner, unless they have a really high level, I wouldn't recommend they use that type of you know, more slang expressions. It's very useful to know that they exist because you have to learn real English and how it's really spoken. Probably the conclusion is you should listen to a wide range of different styles of music and different genres. So you get a, a good representation of the different types of English. I think that's it, isn't it? And also... I mean, you don't have to get to a particularly high level necessarily to understand that it's the way people speak, isn't it? Or the mm. expressions that people use. Again, well, they're talking here about every breath you take by the police. Mm-hmm. It's quite a good one as well. Lots of rhyming lyrics, good phonetic practice, a good yeah. few idioms in there as well, which is true. Mm. There are certain <laughs> phrases that come in certain songs that just stick in your mind, don't they? you think about and go over the lyrics you're like oh yeah that actually is really good for an English learner that one you mentioned the rhyming words and the phonetics and I think that's really useful because I think sometimes people don't realize that these two words or these two sounds are pronounced in the same way so songs are a good way to reinforce that or just to learn it but that reminds me of do you remember that Krista Berg song The Lady in Red yes yeah, um, yeah. well it's famous because it was a huge hit but there's one line where he sings he basically rhymes dance with romance. You think these two words with standard British English, so Southern our pronunciation, more or less, I think you pronounce dance, would you? Or do you pronounce it dance? I would pronounce it dance, actually. I guess in the Midlands. you Yeah, it's the Midlands. Dance. So for me, it's dance and romance. So those two words don't rhyme. You could make them rhyme by singing dance with a more Northern accent, so dance and romance but Christerberg decided to do the opposite he pronounced it dance and romance and romance <laughs> is never pronounced that way as far as I know in any English dialect or accent just pronounce it dance and romance instead of dance and romance it's just invented a new sound in the English <laughs> but, language but, but maybe in some strange town they pronounce it that way maybe yeah I've never I've never heard that personally and I just always remember that so the reason I bring up that example is that you have to be a little bit careful again because perhaps some singers may break the pronunciation rules to force one word or one sound to rhyme 
with the previous sound. It can yeah. happen. It yeah. can definitely happen, can't it? Days of the week, The Cure, Friday mm-hmm. and Love, that's good for days of the week. Yeah, the days of the week, that's good for very low-level learners, of course. So again, I think you have to be careful because you can choose one song for basic vocabulary building. I recommend everyone that's listening to this podcast to check out Mr. Tambourine Man by Bob Dylan. It sounds like a quite a childish title for a song, right? Mr. Tambourine Man. Is that a song for children? But if you read the lyrics or pay attention to the lyrics, there are some amazing lyrics, very descriptive and they sort of evoke images. I would recommend that for a very advanced English learner. So sort of going from Friday I'm in Love to The Cure for low-level students and Mr. Tambourine Man for very high-level students. Again, it's common sense. You have to choose a song. If you find that there are too many words, it's like reading books. If you find that every page has 20 new words, it's probably not the book for you. You're going to find it very difficult to finish it. It's similar with songs. Although another advantage of listening to music is that a song is usually about three minutes long, so you haven't wasted too much of your time. It's just like little nuggets of grammar and vocabulary. Yeah, that's true. And you're going to get some extra love from Gideon as well, because he loves Bob Dylan. Gideon will like you for saying that. He's very poetic, isn't he, Bob Dylan? I guess he's American, though. Trying to focus on British ones. Definitely a bit more poetic, isn't he? Who's the British equivalent to Bob Dylan? I remember in the Ooh. 60s, it was Donovan. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. No, neither of us were born in the 60s, but Donovan was considered the British version of Bob Dylan. It was nowhere near as good. I don't know, actually. Who would be the British equivalent? I Ed, mean, Ed Sheeran? Ed, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> yeah, the modern equivalent could be Ed Sheeran. Let's say Ed Sheeran or even Lewis Capaldi, maybe. He's quite poetic, isn't he? Mm-hmm. don't know much about him, but I have heard one or two of his songs. Yeah, he seems good. There seem to be a lot of singer-songwriters around at the moment, which is good because it's not all reggaeton and, and I have no problem with any particular music genre, but there's a lot of R&B, hip-hop, rap, reggaeton in the charts at the moment and very little guitar-based music. It seems to be disappearing slowly, although I heard an interesting opinion about rock music that, yes, rock music will probably never in the charts or never dominate the charts like it did it's sort of from the 60s or 50s 60s 70s 80s and 90s but it's like jazz music jazz music before the 50s dominated everybody listened to jazz music and it never disappeared but it just was never back in the charts it never dominated the charts as it used to so that's probably what will happen to guitar-based rock music would just always be there but again it's not really british music but hip-hop and rap and there are a lot of good British hip-hop and R&B musicians. Is that a good genre to learn English? Again, it's the answer. It depends on the song. It does really, doesn't it? I mean, I think we shouldn't overlook the problem with us doing this British culture about music thing is we've probably both got fairly similar tastes in music, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it is probably mostly guitar-based. Rap and hip-hop, Loyal Corner. Listen to some of his stuff on Spotify. And there's a good band called The Young Fathers. That's a British band. It's kind of hip-hop. It's quite heavy, so I think they have real instruments too. The problem with that kind of music, I guess, is for English learners, but maybe too many lyrics. It's too much to listen to and absorb. And it's very slang. It tends to be very slang and often not suitable for younger English learners. You don't want to necessarily learn that type of vocabulary. We probably need to come back to a few things. Ed Sheeran, who we spoke mm-hmm. about, I'll just read one of his quotes. I'm in pieces. It's tearing me up. But I know a heart that's broke is a heart that's been loved. I mean, that's deep, isn't it? It's got a phrasal verb there, tear Mm -hmm. me up. I'm in pieces. That's a good phrase, isn't it? To say you're broken as a person. 
I know a heart that's broke is a heart that's been loved. I mean, that's quite poetic, isn't it? I have no problem with Ed Sheeran. It's not someone who I listen to. But again, that's really useful vocabulary and, and nice expressions. I think he pronounces the lyrics quite clearly, so not too difficult to understand. We're going to upset people anyway, regardless of what we say, because we're always yeah. going to miss something out. We might have to do a part two. I was thinking Adele. I think we have to mention Adele because she's we, probably we the do. biggest British artist of the recent times, I think, along with Ed Sheeran and Coldplay. No, that's very true. Yeah, we've got mm. to mention Adele. That's mm. definitely a good one to mention. Hello is probably a good one because mm-hmm. it's a powerful song. I guess it's got quite a slow start, hasn't it? It's got clear lyrics, mm-hmm. particularly... If you're new to learning English, would you say that she has quite a distinctive accent, hasn't she? I mean, I guess you could probably tell that she's from London. An interesting example, isn't she? When she speaks, she speaks with a very strong London accent, almost Cockney. or So very strong. But when she sings, I think there's no trace of that accent as far as I can tell. I think she sings with an American accent. And that's something important we haven't really mentioned. Obviously, a lot of British musicians sing with an American accent. Not all of them, but many of them do. I think it's because of the blues influence and the rock and roll influence. I don't think Adele sings with her natural accent. But it's funny because when you watch her in a concert, she'll sing a song like Hello or Rolling in the Deep, and then she'll start speaking between songs. It's, wow, she's actually quite a working class cockney. Lewis Capaldi, we just come back to him briefly. They Mm. were saying maybe upper intermediate learners. He's got like common idioms. For Mm -hmm. example, someone you loved, let my guard down, pull the rug someone you loved got a few different elements there that could help i've always tried to keep my finger on the pulse regarding music but i've noticed in the last few years that i'm getting old and i think i'm listening more and more to sort of old 60s 70s even going back to the 50s and definitely the 80s and 90s music i've always made a real effort to keep up to date with the latest stuff Julipa, maybe as well oh yeah 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 we we probably we should probably mention david bowie we've got to mention mm-hmm. david bowie it's, it's interesting you say bowie i say bowie i think he said he didn't know I, it's like either and either you can choose the different ways of pronouncing the same word and i think he didn't care or he didn't actually know the correct way because it's not his real name obviously so you can choose the way you want to pronounce it but yeah david bowie or bowie that's a, actually a really good one i think i think he enunciates quite clearly and i think his lyrics are really good how could we forget about david bowie we can be heroes just for one day. So if you think mm-hmm. about that as an English learner, you can be a hero just for one day in your English. I mean, yeah. it's true. And yeah. you can be a champion, as Freddie Mercury said. I think Freddie Mercury is an interesting one because I guess he's not originally from the UK. And a mm-hmm. lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. Do you know where he's originally from? Is it Zambia or Zanzibar? Zanzibar. I knew it began with the Z. And I think the family origins were from India. He had quite a posh English accent, didn't he? Speaking, not singing, but I think he didn't have a foreign accent at all. And he didn't really have any regional dialect. It was quite RP. It was indeed, wasn't it? When you see him in interviews, very much that's the case, isn't it? I suppose it's a bit different when he's singing. It's certainly something that's very clear, isn't it? I suppose, obviously, as songs, they're really iconic, aren't they? Of course, they're iconic songs. And I think very easy to follow, aren't they? They were talking about the show must go on which I think Mm -hmm. this is a nice quote. My soul is painted like the wings of butterflies. Fairy tales of yesterday will grow, but never die. Yeah, very nice. Without Freddie's voice, it's just not the same. (laughs) I think you did well, John, but yeah, it's not not quite the same. (laughs) You should have sung it. Can I just mention one more? Maybe many people don't know this guy, but I think he's one of the best 
British musicians of the 70s. It was a folk musician, late 60s, early 70s. It was Nick Drake. Folk music, mostly just him and an acoustic guitar, but really beautiful lyrics. And he was also from a very well-off family. He died very young. He only made three albums. He died, I think he was 26 when he died, but he made three amazing albums. And I think that kind of folk music, very stripped down basic music, for English learners is sometimes easier to understand because you don't have all the other instruments like drums and bass and guitars and keyboards sort of interfering. You can just hear the lyrics. I mean, some people say that Nick Drake is quite depressing. I don't agree. I think it's just very poetic lyrics. For me, if people are looking for a slightly alternative, a new, not new, but something they haven't listened to before, go for Nick Drake. I think he's great. 26, you're right. I was wondering whether he entered the 27 club, but he obviously no. didn't. He was in his yeah. own little club on his own, which is a little bit yeah. sad. Amy Winehouse, she was in the 27 Club. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people know about the 27 Club, but it's the singer-songwriters that died at the age of 27, which is a yeah. bit sad. Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Kurt Cobain as well. Kurt Cobain, of course, yeah. There's yeah. a few. Amy Winehouse, of course, is another great singer-songwriter. I think it would be fairly easy to follow. I think we could go on all day. We're going to get people saying, oh, we should have included this. We should have included (laughs) that. And you're absolutely right. We might have to do another episode. Thanks for joining me anyway, Ben. I really appreciate it. I mean, do you want to maybe tell people briefly what you do and who you are? Well, I'm an English teacher, but I have a YouTube channel called To The Point English with Ben. I'm on Instagram and a little bit on Facebook too. But my YouTube channel mostly focuses on Cambridge English exam preparation. So if anyone's planning on taking the B2 first, C1 advanced or C2 proficiency Cambridge English exam, you'll find some very useful videos on there. I look at a lot of vocabulary, grammar, but also strategy on how to approach all the different parts of the exams. People love your stuff. That's why Gideon and myself are a big fan of yours. Feelings mutual. (laughs) (laughs) That's very kind of you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll give you the money later. (laughs) Thank you very much. You're always welcome back on the podcast. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot, Ben. And you've been listening to English with Monty. Thanks for listening to English with Monty. For bonus episodes, sessions with the teacher and discounts through our website, please sign up at patreon.com forward slash English with Monty. Or you can join us for our English conversation group in London at meetup.com forward slash Monty English conversation. 